just lift up your name in praise today, Lord. We just thank you. Thank you for wonderful worship today. We just uh, ask that you just continue to, to bless not only this church, but our communities that we, uh, that we affect. You know, I think it's great what Paul said about how this church is in a position to, you know, to do something special. Position to do something extraordinary, and it's kind of a shame. You know what God's natural is, unfortunately, is a supernatural for humans. And Lord, I just pray that we'd be able to do what comes natural to you. That you'd open up our ears and our our hearts, our minds to your word. That, like Becca said. The struggle with the flesh is, is that. It's just a struggle, but it's a victory that we can overcome. Lord, I just ask that you'd, uh, your Holy Spirit would just guide me and, and lead me, that I wouldn't get, get in the way of your words. And we just thank you. Thank you for your son. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, I know God's going to give me grace to get through this really fast. So that's what we're going to do. I always think it's really interesting, the people's definitions of, you know, what we kind of take for granted is, you know, straightforward biblical terminology. You know, my favorite one was it, he said, uh, God is good, God is grace. But he is, you know, he is definitely grace. So, so um, yeah, so we're going to talk about submission today. So if that sucked the air out of the room, I don't know. Because you guys are way spread out today. Usually you guys are all in the center. So I'm going to move to the center a little bit. So I can kind of see you guys. All right. So yeah, so we're going to talk about submission. And I'm going to start a little bit uh, about when I was a kid. Uh, and I'm not going to embarrass my mom or my dad or my sister today. So maybe my wife. It's always my wife. It's always her. But uh, when I was a boy, you know, I really loved, like, military movies, you know. Um, and I could watch them over and over again. Like, you guys might remember, like, Kelly's Heroes. It's, like, one of my favorite ones still today. You know, uh, just any of those type uh, movies. And, you know, my appeal to them never ended. You know, and I would, I'd watch them over and over again, and they never get boring. And then when I got a little older, I graduated to books. You know, and I, if it had anything to do with history, you know, I was reading it. You know, I would read a couple books a week usually, and I still do. You know, I still read it probably about a book a week. Uh, it just depends on what I'm reading. Some books are harder than others to get through. Um, so, uh, but if they had World War II in them in particular, if that was the subject matter, then I was really into it. And as I got older, though, and matured, you know, my thoughts and everything uh, and challenged at school and that sort of thing, I started to form opinions. And one opinion that I had about countries was there's no way that I'd ever want to be France. <laughs> right? <laughs> France is, was always getting pushed around. I mean, always. They always had the white flag and they were surrendering, you know. Um, not only that, but they were constantly playing both sides of the power struggle, whatever was at hand. You know, they wanted to try to be on the outcome of the victor. But in doing so, all they did was affect their credibility as a country. 
You know, they became wishy-washy. It wasn't so much that they would surrender, but they would just stay right on the fence. They wouldn't get off right or left. They just kind of straddled it, you know. So, you know, ultimately they were afraid to win because they were afraid to fail. And, you know, what we're going to talk about today is really kind of a, a summary of probably three or four different messages that I've, I've preached, you know, over the last like three or four months. Um, but it's going someplace really, really cool. Um, so what I noticed, though, with, with France is that that's how a lot of our walks are with Christ. You know, sometimes we're just fence setters, you know, um, you know, I liked what Ernie Harwell said. I don't know if you saw any of the little clips, uh, but they they had one. He was the uh, the preacher for the Tigers. You know, that was his final role. Was he was their chaplain, and and one of the little uh, one of the little clips he said he, he said imagine a turtle on a fence pole, and everybody that walks by knows that that turtle could not get up on the fence pole. You know, there's no way that. It could just be there by itself that somebody had to physically put it there, right? And I think as Christians, though, a lot of times we fail to see that, that, you know, God puts us in this position. And, you know, we can't be lukewarm. We can't go to the right or to the left. We have to take a position at some point, you know. Um, And that's what God's really been working really me through a lot is is that, is I have to take positions, Um, that God wants me to uh, to surrender. In order to win, I have to surrender. And for a guy, you know, that's really hard. You know, it's hard to, to tell yourself to give up because you think you can always win, you know. But in doing so, you actually go further and further backwards because um, God wants you to just not partially surrender. He wants you to fully surrender. He wants you to give it all up. You know, like Paul's... Paul said, you know, I mean, you get to a place where maybe you lose faith, but he just wants all of you. You know, he, he wants you to commit to him. So uh, God led me to this scripture. It's Isaiah 64, verse 8. And you guys have probably heard this one pretty often. It says, says Yeah, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. You know, so God shapes you. If you allow him to, he'll continue to shape you. But what a lot of us get, get kind of in the process of or get caught up in is we start shaping ourselves. You know, the image that we want to be seen as or the outcome that we want to see happen. So we shape ourselves to that. Um, but what he really desires us to do, though, is submit wholly to his hands. Not H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy. He wants all of us. He wants us to submit all of ourselves to it. And I think about myself in particular because I resist that, you know. And it has to look like to him that, hey, God, you know, I'm going to give you this little portion of me. Or maybe 90% of me, maybe 95% of me. But this one little part, I don't really trust you enough with. Or I'm really comfortable trying to to work this thing out by myself that I don't know if I really need you to be in this. You know, I can do it all by myself. In reality, I can't. 
And it doesn't matter how hard I try, I can't do it on my own. And so for eight and a half years, you know, that's, that's what I go through, you know, and that's how long I've been saved is eight and a half years. And every day I realize I just can't do it on my own. So it brought me to one of my very favorite scriptures, and a lot of you guys will know this, uh, James 4, 7, right? It says, uh, submit yourselves then to God, and the devil will f- flee from you, right? It's a great scripture, you know. You know, whenever you're going through a struggle, that's a great one to bring up. But have you guys ever read 1 through 6? You know, I'm going to read it to you, because this is... Uh, This is, I put here, it's a painful reminder of how far I have still to go. So, uh, James 4, 1 through 6. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your, your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you, and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight, and you do not have because you have not asked God. But when you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. He continues, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely in a lot of different versions it says right there it says that the spirit is jealous that God is jealous for you right so he envies intensely that spirit that's in us but he gives us more grace you know he doesn't punish us with those things instead he gives us more grace that is why the scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble it then it was like the big aha experience, you know. It's like the more humble I get, the more grace I'm going to get. The more pride that leaves me, the more grace to cover up all my junk, you know. For some of us, the, you know, we're, we're just, we hold on to things because we're, it's like a, an ineffective, I don't know what, a Gosh, how do I put it? I don't know. I don't know. It's as if things get in the way that seem so obvious, but we mask them in something that's harder than it has to be, you know. So, you know, when I asked Christ into my life, you know, I experienced the purest form of surrender because at that point then, you know, the submission was much easier than it maybe even it is now. Um, you know, I, I got to empty out all my sins and lay them right at the feet of Christ. You know, right there, all of it. I knew from that point on that I was going to be okay. And God gave me three things when, when I did that. First, he gave me mercy, right? Second, he gave me grace. But third, he gave me something that I never really expected. He gave me peace. You know, that's really where I started to see that this whole submission thing is really important. 
You know, the surrender thing is one thing to get it out of the way. You know, you surrender to God. But the submission on the rest of your life is more encompassing because it takes an effort to do it. It takes getting rid of something that's ugly or maybe that's just kind of sneaky, you know, and, and giving it up to God so you can move forward. So, uh, you know, God led me to this scripture, and it's Job 23, 10 through 12. Um, and it's, uh, you know, I think as we go through our struggles, you know, God purifies us all the time. You know, he makes that submission easier. And through this scripture, it really, really helped me. It says, but he knows the way that I take. When he tested me, I will come forth as gold. So he tests me and you come through and now you're gold. You're something more precious than you were before through all the tests. It says, my feet have closely followed his steps and I've kept to his way without turning aside. I've not departed from the commands of his lips and I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. What if we all just treasured his words? How much of an effect could you have on your family, your community? I mean, just our world. And our world extends to the whole world. You know, he purifies us through all these tests that we go through. And sometimes we think that are so bothersome or so heavy you know, the song talked about restoration, you know. I mean, that's an everyday thing, and these tests are every day. Sometimes they're really small. Sometimes they're huge. You know, but it's still the same test. You know, I had a really smart guy tell me that, you know, my problems are my problems, but somebody else's problems, they think, are way more, you know, hard to deal with than mine. And I look at theirs, and I think, those are really easy to deal with. No, but that's not the case. You know, it's, it's all in our heads. It really is. Um, oh, let's see here. Uh, I think this is one of my biggest points when we talk about submission is what it looks like to, to non-believers. But how about what it looks like to believers? I think that we as a group, we can hogtie not only non-believers, but believers in the same. You know, by our actions, by our words. Um, you know, there, there's ways to do this, but for believers, you know, I think the most popular one is we, is we take a scripture and then sometimes we take turns browbeating each other with it, you know. And my favorite one that I always hear people browbeat each other with is Ephesians 5, 22, verse 31. This is going to be really good for all your husbands and wives. This is where I thought I might hear the collective sigh go out of the room. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So all you headstrong women, this is one thing, right? <laughs> but I don't think you guys are getting that way with anything. So anyway, so wives, submit to your husbands as for the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So you girls have three verses there. Now, us guys apparently are a little bit harder-headed because we got six, right? And a lot of it is repetitive. But 
as my wife will tell you, sometimes I got to be told twice. <laughs> right. So we're going to go on here. It says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or with any blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. So instead of this scripture, it's, it's, it's a beautiful way to love each other. You know, it's a roadmap for marriage. But sadly, you know, we, we twist them. I thought I'd hear that from you guys. <laughs> some guy in here saying, no, nah! some kids say, no, nah! you know, so anyways, you know, but I, I'm serious about the whole two by four thing. You know, sometimes we take a scripture, you know, the whole plank in your eye, you know, you've got the plank sticking out of your own, but you're using the word to do it. And then, and the worst thing is you're doing it to a, a believer, you know, and just think the effect that we have on the non-believer. I mean, if we do that to our own friends, our family, our brothers and sisters in the Lord, I mean, my goodness, you know. And don't think that they don't notice there's something different about you. And I was at a ball game yesterday, and, I, and, you know, I'm a coach. So, you know, we had a little event, and some guy was swearing, you know, and then one of the other coaches pulled me aside, and he started swearing. Then he looked at me and goes, oh, hope I didn't offend you. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, it's hard to, hard to know that I'm not a Christian when I got the big, you know, the Hollywood thing up on my roof during, during uh, Halloween, you know. So they all know in my subdivision our, and our baseball team, all the, te- or all the coach pitch kids, we all play on the same team. So everybody knows me. And they always look at me. And I know that they're evaluating me. Is, is what I believe and what I say are they the same thing? The words that I speak, the feet, my actions, are they following the path that, that God has for me? Or is it my own path? I think we really have to, have to watch for that because if not, then we can so poorly affect everybody else around us and we can drive each other apart. Um, I wrote one thing here, you know, is surrendering our own selfish ways allows submission to be easy. You know, it really does. And the result is we start living what we're preaching. You know, that's what I strive to do is to live exactly what I preach. You know, most of the time I think I do pretty good, but not all the time. You know, if I said I did good all the time, then I'd be prideful. And this whole sermon would just be nothing, right? So, so, but I also think though that pride ambushes us in really weird spots, you know, and you know I think it's sneaky. Uh, it's sneaky in the in maybe the music that we listen to, you know. How about for me? I'm a reader, so the book series, uh, you know, that I used to love to read, I, I don't read them anymore. You know, so book series can do it. Um, how about a favorite television program? You know, I mean. Kristen, Chelsea, and I, you know, we had, you know, had to stop watching a few things just a year ago because, you know, I wasn't comfortable with 
you know, have. Well, that's got to be one of mine. I think it is. I think it's Avery. <laughs> well, that's a good guess. You know, besides the greens, I got a really high percentage chance of being right. Taylor's too. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's kind of funny. All right. So, uh, but how about this? How about a sports team? How they captivate us? You know, and the reason why I would call it pride is because this is because it causes us to forego all reason and pursue something other than God. And you guys know that I love to hunt, right? And I mean, I can, I can be so easily distracted with what God's holy word says and how he's guided me because I get caught up. And Tristan, maybe horses does that for you, right? If you take it to the extreme... You know, it, it can be bad, you know, but we mask them. We mask things like this. We, we tell ourselves that uh, I'm just driven to succeed, right? Because that sounds good, but that's what the world would have us say, right? Or how about this, that we won't give up until we have accomplished all that we set out to conquer. I mean, I'm in business, you know. That was a big deal when I first got going is that I had a goal. But the only thing is, though, if I put the goal ahead of, the actual lesson, my actual walk, then I've lost out on people that I can affect. We throw out our godly submission and the Holy Spirit's guidance and trade it in for just a simple accomplishment. You know, that's, that's the other side of it right there is that God puts these things in us. You know, the Holy Spirit lives, lives in us and he guides us. But if we're not submitting to holy to God, how can you hear and how can you expect him to direct your steps, right? So we abandon all common sense for this goal and God has a special word for those things that we abandon. He calls them idols. So for me, hunting could be an idol if I let it to get to that. So uh, Jeremiah 2.5. What is what the Lord, or this is what the Lord says. What fault did your fathers find in me that they strayed so far from me? No, I'm going to read that one more time. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your fathers find in me that they strayed so far from me? So when you guys are, are off doing your own thing, and you know that you're out there, and you're nowhere you're supposed to be, you know, don't think you're all by yourself because... 3,000 years before you, somebody asked the same question. And it was God. And he was questioning the people that were doing it. And then God tells him, he says, they followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They came, ju- they came to be just like the idols that they followed. They were worthless. You know, that's what they became. So we have to be careful that the idols that we follow, the things that we expose ourselves to, don't become everything that we are. They don't become our makeup. Because everybody's watching you. Everybody. I put a big ouch in my notes here. Because that's exactly what I can do with work, with playing ball, with hunting. Uh, simple things like even uh, cleaning up the garage when my wife wants to go somewhere. You know, I trade in what I'm supposed to do for what I'm going to do. 
and I trade in God as my idol and I put this other thing in place of it. But I know that everyone here wants to have a victory. You know, they want, they want healing, right? Physical or mental. They want, they want spiritual healing, right? Financial breakthrough, you know? Um, what about this? We desire to see the gifts of the Spirit flourish. Yet we hold ourselves ransom to the fullness offered by God, but not realized because we don't submit ourselves completely. And I put one other thing here. I said, I want to put it like this. uh, You know, it's promised to us. It's promised to you if you would just submit. You know, the, the words aren't made up. You know, the scriptures aren't lifeless. And God gives every one of us the same promise if we would just take them up on it. So today, you know, I I really want to encourage you guys to do a couple different things. You know, one of them is, um, I'm going to read one more scripture and then I'm going to ask for a show of hands. You know, and then we're going to have those kids right back there. They're going to come and pray for a bunch of you guys. Um, So I want you guys to turn, if you got your Bibles especially, to uh, Hebrews 5, verse 7 through 9. I'll give you a second to get there. One, okay. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petition with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obeyed him. You know, Jesus Christ always sets the example. You know, we're not following a person. We're following God. Some of us have tougher jobs than others. You know, I mean, I think the moms probably have the toughest ones. All you guys have to do is stay home a day. <laughs> That'll show you, right? But some of us, you know, are exposed to crazy worlds where death will happen. You know, where ugly things happen to young kids, you know. Where you're exposed to rift raft all the time, you know. Or, you know, just hypocrisy that you might see. You know, everybody's weight is going to be different. But Jesus Christ is the same for all of us. And he gives us the example. And he doesn't demand it. That's what I love. One of the things my dad taught me is you can either demand respect or command respect, right? Jesus commands respect by his actions, by how he loved us. He doesn't take a two-by-four and smack you over the head and say, love me. (laughs) Sometimes I wish he would for me. I might kind of sort of need that. But he does it in that scripture. He does it through prayer and petition. You guys, he cried for us. And he did it through reverent submission. Reverent submission. 
that, that was his goal. So how about I get a show of hands here, you guys, for anybody that needs to submit. Anybody that needs to submit to God or to someone else. Maybe like Jessica. Jessica, you know, as, as having a prophetic calling, she came under the submission of a church, which is exactly what the Bible says, you know. So to someone or something, we all need to either surrender from or submit to. You know, I mean, I know what mine is. Mine is pride. You know, mine is constantly every day fighting through that, that I can't do it on my own, that I'm not good enough to do it on my own. And most days I win, some days I don't, you know. So how many of you guys have something like that here? Something that you just need to get through. Something that you need to get through so you can lead somebody else to Christ. I mean, I I love that his love overcomes all. I love that his, his love covers all. That it forgives all. That it accepts surrender. And then it gives victory. Christ is the same for everyone. He's the salvation. He's the savior of the world. Eternal salvation is granted through him and him alone. I mean, it's an amazing thing if we could just get past the submission part and just bear our souls to him. You know, know, Paul Paul said today, you know, about this little church. This little church is different, I think, because we're seeking God. We're revealing ourselves to each other so we can advance and do something that's natural to God, but supernatural to the world. So anybody that raised their hands, either raise your hand and keep it in one spot or you, yep. And we're going to have a bunch of kids that are going to come over and pray over you guys right now. And maybe we could get Daniel. Come do a little strumming. And Daniel's going to need some prayer from one of you. If you could keep your hands, I'm sorry, Chris. If you could keep your hands raised until a child has come to you, girls go to girls, boys go to men, okay? Make sure everybody has somebody praying for them. Banana, there's right there. Okay. Alex, go to Mr. Rose right there. Okay. Cade, you can go to Mr. Green. Okay. Kaya, you can go to Miss Nanette. Nora. Come on over here. Sorry, honey. See, there's the lady right back. RJ, can you, this man right here in this, right in the first row. I'm just going to pray real quick. And then um, any of you adults, guys know who raised their hands and maybe some of you guys at Denton because you're too prideful to raise your hand <laughs> um, 
I encourage you guys to pray for each other. You know, just like Eileen said, you know, one will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand to flight. They're not just talking about words; they're talking about demons, you guys. Mm-hmm. I need my Talk prayer team. My prayer team. Once you're done, I need you to check and make sure there's no more hands up. If there's a hand up, you need to go and pray for whoever that is. RJ, there's a man over here that needs some prayer. Father, we just we just thank you. We thank you that. Even though submission Kate. might not look so attractive to us, that it is it is something that we just need to do. That you've given us a, a perfect example with your son, Lord. One that commands respect, that commands our love, that commands our desires. That doesn't look anything like us, but represents us. That he looked like us for 30 years, but now, even then, he was glorious. Lord, I would just pray that the hearts would just be healed, that submitting would be made easy, that, like the scripture says, that through the test, we come forth as gold more precious than before, more pure than before. Whether it's healing, Lord, or spiritual breakthrough, financial breakthrough, Lord, just a new attitude, whatever it is that we're looking for. God, that we would find it. That it would not be our own personal motivation drives us there, Lord, that it would be your divine will that we seek, and we don't want to spend it on the world, Lord, but we want to cherish it like you cherish us. God, I just thank you. I thank you that you sent your son. I can't think of a more perfect way to show submission somebody to kill you. Just like the saying goes, God, that a good man might die for another one, but for the whole world. And that's what you did. You died for a whole world. Not just for a generation, but for generations to come. The magnitude of that is hard to comprehend, Lord. Lord, that you just bless those that had stuck their hands up, but also those that remain quiet, Lord. The kids and, as Eileen said, the gap fillers. I love the gap fillers. Those that pray for others, that jump in the gap to plug the hole. Lord, I pray that you would just give them the words.
purify their hearts, that you would hear all these things, Lord, that they are just sweet to your, your heart.